Hey everyone, this is Augustus Cho. Welcome to part two of our previous episode. You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. All right, so I gather from uh, what you were saying earlier that you grew up around uh, Lake Norman, which is outside of Charlotte. Yes. But uh, I really uh, grew up in Fort Mill. It's on the other side of Charlotte in uh, South Carolina. And uh, it was Mayberry back then. Now it's not small anymore at all. Okay. So uh, what was your childhood like? Uh, Opie. (laughs) Except we skateboarded downtown. That was... uh, in, instead of uh, bicycling or whatever, I did that too. But uh, um, it was uh, it was really you know great. We had a we had acres and acres of woods to play in in the back, and uh, we were we were on the back of this wooded area, so we had just acres to play in, and and uh, we you know like like uh, they did in those days. You didn't come home till it was time to eat, basically. Do you have a bicycle, man? Oh yeah, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> And I uh, had a skateboard, had a Tony Alva, Tony Alva skateboard. That, oh, was okay. a, that was a dog bowl crew back then. What was the first uh, band you were part of? Probably uh, high school or junior high, really, learning. Um, and then uh, I guess the the first band, band in high school was going to be a band called Windjammer, which when you when you say it that way, I just – I've forgotten about it, but it was, uh, it was a prog rock band. It, they really listened to Genesis and Kansas and, and that prog rock kind of stuff and wrote some really good stuff back in the day. So I was cutting on my, cutting my teeth with those guys who were really advanced, um, uh, high schoolers in the music. And um, what were you, you were, were you like a sophomore? I was a freshman. Freshman. I was a, yeah, I was a dumb guy. But they needed a drummer, though. Cocky, yeah, cocky. The the, the other snare drummer, we only had two, the other snare drummer was their drummer, and then he decided not to play anymore. Um, So, and his family owned, uh, like, I think a marina in Lake Wiley. That's uh, another area in the the Fort Mill area, Tiga K now. Um, And so I think he had to help out more there, or he just wasn't interested in playing in the band anymore. I'm not really sure. When was the first time you had a full set of drums? Full set, complete. <laughs> well, the full full set of drums was a a makeshift. It was my the snare drum I had in um, in junior high, the a kick drum that I uh, got off of somebody else with one ten inch tom that probably was a snare drum at one time. It was just a makeshift, all different colors and and. Um, and, and that was, you know, it was a, it was a good way to start and really ratty little hi-hat. So I had to buy a new hi-hat kind of kind of thing. It was it was pieced together. My first kit after that was a Pearl kit, an export. And uh, weird thing is, I went to a church in uh, the Lake Norman when I moved to Lake Norman and I had that drum set with me. And, and there was a guy in this church that I was playing for. And he was like, that drum set looks familiar. I'm like, how would this drum set look familiar to you? And, um, and for those that don't know, like Lake uh, Fort Mill and Lake Norman are, are probably about a 45 minutes away. And that was before traffic was really bad. And um, 
anyway, he he was at a music store in Charlotte and he somehow, some way he remembered that drum set and that I had bought it from him. And my dad helped me buy it. That was a uh, that was crazy. How about that? Jeff, was there a point where you thought about giving it up? I thought I would have to just a few years ago. Um, my I had problems with my left hand and uh, and still do a little bit, but uh, ended up having surgery in 2020 before the shutdown. And um, you can even I can even still see some of the some of those. But it was a it was an area behind the thumb that they had to remove a, a bone that didn't have any cartilage on either side. And before that was really a thing, before I knew that was a, 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 the solution to the problem, uh, I really thought I was going to have to get out of it altogether. And then I still wasn't sure what to do because construction, you got to have your left hand too. You, you can't lift drywall or plywood or anything like that without, without all your hands. I mean, how did that happen? What was wrong with it? <clears throat> uh, just overuse, I guess. You know, and maybe the stuff we eat, I believe that that a lot of the stuff we eat is just uh, it causes oxidants and um, it causes our body to break down faster than we would. But I'm 60. So, you know, I'm almost 60. It's it's going to break down at some point. I'm, my my thing is, and I'm very thankful for it. I haven't had that happen with my right hand. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm very, very right handed. I can't even drill with my left hand. So uh, if I do, it's very clumsy. So I'm very right handed if I lose my right hand. And I can play with just my right hand and my right foot as far as like doing fills and things. So, but I've made it, uh, I've made it through this far and I've had, I've had like these three metacarpals were broken from a, uh, a car wreck and, and uh, ribs cracked and, and stuff like that. You just kind of, you just kind of move through it. You know, you don't, I don't, I hadn't thought much about it most of the time, except for, um, uh, when I feel like it's going to be so bad, I'm not going to be able to play again. Then I, then I really panic. Um, but I'm glad that I have, you know, music to, to write. That's another expression that, uh, that I really am glad I have. It's, it's uh, freeing. Right. Right. But you're physically okay now to continue to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we did, you know, I kind of cheated a little bit when it was really bad, um, that we have a an electronic set. I'll go ahead and admit this. Um, we also use a click, for, uh, for lighting and sometimes utilities. We still sing everything. We still play all of our instruments, but we'll have a few things playing on a sequence. And uh, we the, the solution so that I didn't have to quit while I was uh, uh, getting the surgery was to have a, a two and four coming from that sequence. And it, and it played my module. So that module was going to play the exact same snare drum <laughs> that I would be playing if I was playing it for real. And then I had it to where it was, I could turn it on and turn it off. When I needed it, it was there when I didn't need it. I was definitely not going to use it. I, it's obviously going to be better to not just play with that. So, um, and I've gotten to a point now where we, I still plug it in just in case, but it's, I haven't used it in, in quite a while. And uh, thank God, I mean, I'm just, it's been a long time man. it's, it's uh, it took a long time, but I think I had arthritis. And uh, so it took a lot longer to heal than just any regular uh, of that surgery. I'm to understand that surgery would take about three months to get totally back and, and it's been over a year. Uh, and every now and again, I'll just feel a, a sharp pain right in that one area. But you know, to me, that's kind of like if you've broken a bone anywhere, when it starts to rain, that's when you feel it. And it's, and it's like, why is it hurting so bad? It's, oh, it's getting ready to rain. Um, very true. Very true. Yeah. Very um, true. But you have to be old to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> like us. 
Hey, Catalina in the 70s was a big band. I mean, it was famous. Yeah. They had some hits. We'll, we'll talk about that too. But just yeah. as a background, Catalina is still playing, but they they were really a, a popular and uh, wonderful uh, beach music band. Um, yeah. How many bands were you playing in prior to becoming part of the Catalinas? Mostly, I, I think it was just those those other two. The really? And the Plum Hollow Band. Um, other really? than other than little things that would happen a, a night at a time, maybe, but, you know, playing for a church thing or, uh, and, it, it, and then it was over, you know, I mean, it was just, you couldn't really say it was a band per se. It was just a bunch of people that got together. So tell us how you ended up in uh, Catalinas. The the push band, uh, well, the Bobby Nance, who worked with the Catalinas for, he was a trumpet player for the Catalinas for a very long time. I think he got pressure from his wife, go get a real job. He goes to get a real job in a factory and realized he could not make anywhere near the money that, that he was making in music. Imagine that. And uh, so he wanted to get back into music and uh, they had already hi uh, hired somebody for the trumpet role, which was Ronnie Gittins. And um, we ended up hiring the push band, hired him as our trumpet player. <laughs> and and uh, one of the stories there is for his so-called, okay, let's see if he fits in because we know he's a great player. Uh, he, we kind of give him an audition, see how it's flowing out there. He's like, well, you want to do Summertime's Call of Me? And he's like, no, and he falls to the floor. <laughs> It's a great and, uh, song, by the way. <laughs> that is a great song. And, you know, we we played it a hundred thousand. Sometimes twice <laughs> we would play we would play the full length song, and then we were getting ready to to finish off the night. We would play a half of one. It would, that was the signal. It was a little X, the sign language X, and that was a half of half of summertime gone. So yeah, I can imagine he probably got pretty tired of it at some point. I only played it for ten years. I mean, oh my gosh! <laughs> I was going to ask one of the questions. You said you probably have dreams about that, right? I, I don't have any good dreams, <laughs> except for I, I do have uh, uh, maybe not. I'm not I'm not going to say uh, night terrors or nightmares from. But nip sip, uh, put <laughs> me to sleep, put me to sleep while I'm playing that kind of stuff. <laughs> what I really wanted to move away from. North Tower doesn't do anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we we might do something like just I'm tired of hearing it is like Brown Eyed Girl or something like that. <laughs> but. But but it's a good song, Brown Eyed Girls. Yeah, it's a great it is. song. It it always works. Mustang Sally, tired of listening. Yeah, <laughs> blues. Okay, but, but it's a great song, and it always goes over. I like that. But Nip Sip, that that always it might go over, but it's gonna put me to sleep. Okay, yeah. we gotta do something here. We're gonna listen. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not. A, yeah, I'm not a particular fan of Nip Sip either. It's okay. <laughs> well, the Sixty Minute Man would do it too, yeah. except Gary uh, Barker. Is an he's a guitar player and the owner of the Catalinas. Um, he has an incredible bass voice. So I never really tired of hearing mm -hmm. 60 Minute Man or Mr. Bassman, one of their one of the songs that we recorded in, at that time. Um, he was always amazing. And uh, I always tried to get something him to do something in the studio. And so now he can't do it. He had a stroke and, and it's uh, it's real sad. But uh, he's uh, he's still a good friend. So how'd you get into Carolinas, man? Because that's a, I mean, you only played oh. in two bands before. It's a quick jump. Yeah, to, we, uh, missed, we missed that part, didn't we? Yeah, I um, mean. Bobby got in the band with uh, with me, and then the uh, Lynn, I think, and Gary came out to see uh, him in the push band. And they heard me mm -hmm. sing, you know, a couple of songs. I think I think then I was probably doing some Michael Jackson. And um, uh, that would have been 80, 
three. That would have been Michael Jackson. That would I would have done the Thriller album, something on the Thriller and and maybe the Bad album, but which was Catalina's. Um, but I, you know, I don't remember exactly now. Stevie Wonder, I definitely was probably doing some Stevie Wonder back then. And uh, they heard me sing and and said, "Well, he's a you know he's a competent drummer, competent singer. Maybe we can uh, try to get him involved." Uh, when they were about to lose their drummer. So it really just kind of happened like that. I remember Bobby Nance gave me one of his old T-shirts, Catalina's T-shirts, and as a as kind of a send-off. And eventually he got back in the band. So Okay. Because I was at Carolina in college when uh, Summertime's Calling Me was big in the uh, mid to late 70s. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. You know the story about how uh, Barker wrote that song, right? Uh, not thoroughly. I know. I know that it didn't become a hit very quick. But uh, tell me your side. What I heard was that he was coming, leaving Appalachian State, and it was uh, like you know, snowy, and cold winter time. And then all he was thinking about the beach, and and that's how he composed a song. Summertime's calling me, and it was one yeah. of those quick songs. You know, that came together. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. That was, and I should have. I've been on an eight-hour trip with him toward Maryland. <laughs> I'm not sure why I haven't heard that story yet. I'm sure you got other things to talk about. But anyway, that's, <laughs> I mean, that song, you know, you would hear it at least two times a, a night when I, you know, wherever we go, some different places. So that was a huge hit back then. Yeah. I, for some reason, I got a, a call from Atlanta and I don't know anybody from Atlanta. So I'm trying to let it pass, but <laughs> sorry. Oh, <okay. laughs> yeah. So um, over the years, how many times do you think you've played that song? <laughs> oh my goodness and of course you play it you're playing it in every scenario after that right uh, if it's a beach band you're playing the song uh there is no telling because i played it even in bands that weren't really beach music bands they just played it because it was uh and probably because i had been in the band okay yeah it's a good song and, and um uh it i no idea the reach band wasn't a real popular like beach music band or something but that we did we did like um regular music and we might throw a, a God theme to it, a uh, Christian theme to it. And uh, so we, we probably did do summertime's calling me even in that band. Um, but uh, great, great people. I love playing in that scenario. That was a, that was one that stayed closer to home. And that's what I had to have when uh, Kevin, my, my special needs son was in the house. Sure. Um, now, by the time you got to Catalina's, the original singer had left because my understanding was he recorded the song and, and he didn't stay too long and he left for whatever reason. And then the guy from Entertainers, uh, who, you know, I forgot his name now, but he, he ended up singing that song more than the original. Uh, Probably so. Yeah. So uh, you... Bo Schrantz sang it and, uh, in in 76 is, I think, when they released it. Um, and then it, they, I think Lynn told me that it didn't even get really popular, real popular until about uh, 1980. It, it blew up and, and, and got really big in the 80s. But uh uh, said it just took a long time to really hit, and uh, That's uh, I'm sure, right. yeah, in in the in the 70s, I think it probably was still big in the colleges and mm -hmm. and uh, and the sh the actual shaggers, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, yeah, uh, but, um, Earl Dawkins came in after yep. that. And he was singing it a lot, and, and but Bo went and he started the Shakers. If that if that wasn't something to do, and uh, eventually uh, uh, Earl Dawkins left, and he he uh, started the Entertainers. Yeah, and. I think there was an there was the entertainers was set up before him and he joined the band and became a lead singer. Yeah. And then that band sort of left the entertainers and became the breeze, is my understanding. Now we're just getting back to all sorts of Yeah. <laughs> Beach <laughs> music community. 
it's yeah. a rabbit hole. It's it, man, we've all played with each other somewhere here and there. And <laughs> yeah, beach <laughs> music. Drummer Saturday, where are you? Can you exactly. Beach music community is really complex, and everybody's related <laughs> to everybody else one way or another, and and yeah. everybody played in one of the other bands at one point or another. So it's really unusual uh, a people of a group of people. Well, I, I tend to uh, liken it to uh, Zydeco. Um, <laughs> in in Louisiana, it's a completely that is the, what they do in Louisiana. They have their dance. They have their you know the the squeeze box and and all of the stuff that they do. That is that is re, re, uh, ex, exclusively Louisiana, Lafayette, uh, New Orleans. That's what they do down there. You know, and everybody knows how to do all of that. Well, Carolina, that was the beach music and the shag that was our thing. So when, when we needed somebody to just kind of roll through and do, yep. do a job or so, uh, they all knew all the music. It was yep. kind of already there. And really the music was based on the R and B and the Motown of the day. So a lot of people wonder about that. And, and they, they think that the beach music is the beach boys or yep. something like yep. that. It's Carolina beach music. Definitely not. It's, it's a, it's more of a Motown thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody who's, from out of the state, when they come in, they think it's what you just said, Beach Boys music, and it's not. That's a West Coast thing, and it's totally yeah. different. Yeah, and it's good, too. It's great, too. We love it, but oh yeah, not, yeah, not, the, not quite the same thing. <laughs> and we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. My only concern is that, uh, you know, a lot of the musicians are getting older. You're one of the younger ones, man. You know, believe it or not. I am. Yeah. I, you know, and you're pushing 60 and the, you're one of the younger ones. And uh, I, I have concerns about, you know, the older members because the average age is probably pushing 80. It's like, how long can they last? Well, I, I had tried when I first got back from Nashville and, and eventually got back with, uh, uh, say the band of gold that that's something we haven't even gone into yet but uh, got back in 2012 my son um, got into a place where they could handle him and and I remember the day at a K&W that I couldn't handle him anymore and um, he eventually got into a place that could hold him and 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 help with that part of the, the thing so I got back into the music and that was with a band of gold and uh uh, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. There we go with the 60 year old problem. Yeah, Band of Gold, uh, man. Tell us all about Band of Gold. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, I got back with Eric Bowman talking with Eric, and he said, Talk to this person. We were trying to not let beach music die in the in the community, in this region. And and I was trying to call some people that said, Look, if we don't get it handed down to younger generation, it's going to die. And, uh, and it kind of what felt like fell on deaf ears. And so, you know, I did what I could and then I just kind of backed off. If it's going to survive, it'll survive because people that know how to get a hold to youth and uh, in high schools and colleges like it was famous for in the 60s, it will survive. If they don't, it won't. It'll just kind of die out with the people that are dying off. Yeah, I was trying to hang on to beach music back in the, uh, I guess, late 70s, early 80s when disco was big. And, uh, you know, but one thing, you know, beach music survived disco era. Yeah. Everything survived disco. Now we play disco for, for the fun. 
<laughs> mostly KC. KC, we have a good KC medley. I'll, I'll say that. Oh yeah, you guys are good at that. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, no complaints, not at all. Hey, yeah, it's it's and I like it's fun, but that's the good part. We play one disco type of thing, and then we're done with it. <laughs> but it's uh, I like I love the disco kind of thing. I love people that dance to it. Uh, we play we play something in in North Tower. We play uh, um, Oh where love goes, where my rosemary goes. Oh yeah, nobody knows <laughs> like me. And I'm seeing I'm seeing these little kids, twelve year olds <laughs> and sixteen year olds, and they're like singing word for word. I'm like, how do these kids know this music? This I've loved that song for a long time, and it's like we finally just I think Steve put it on the put it on the speakers while we were tearing down or something like oh my gosh we all just sort of went crazy and so we worked it up and started doing it and I had no idea how many other people really dug that song. Oh, it's one of my favorite uh, songs that you guys perform. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get a multi track of it and and uh, release the live version somehow uh, on the Beach Music Station, but I'm not sure how to how to do that right yet. I haven't got a good copy. Now, of now is it true that because uh, Jeff? Uh, Henson, you're a sax player. I don't know if he was joking or not. He said that that uh, wherever the song we're talking about, uh, Mary. Yeah. That that's uh, Larry Dean's favorite song. So they have to play it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's that's not a joke. It's it's uh, I mean, it's a joke. It's funny, but it's it's not really, you know, he's not doing it just because. So Larry does enjoy that's singing his favorite it. Song. Part of the rep, part of the repertoire. Yep. And, oh. and he does a good, he does a good job, you know. I love it. Oh. I love I love that people know it. That's again, that goes back to when you finally just dis- discover why people like a certain type of music. You you just watch how they light up, and then you want to do that all the time. You just want to help people uh, enjoy life, really, and light yeah. up. You know that group that sang the, that song. It was oh, yeah, really, yeah, it was actually a studio band, and the band mm-hmm. didn't really exist. It was released oh. as a studio song. Edison and, Lighthouse. Yeah, Edison. There was there was no band called Edison Lighthouse until the song came out, and then people wanted it so badly they they put a band together. So the video you see of Edison Lighthouse members that they're, they're not it's not them. Oh wow! <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't know that. yeah. There's oh, two versions. Fun. Yeah, this young guy, like a hippie, good-looking young, young hippie guy singing. That's not him. It was another professional singer, studio singer who was part of the other, some other groups. And every time he would join this group, they would have, they would have number one, his song. And that's the guy's voice who sings that uh, song. Wow. No, I didn't know that. That's yeah, Edison Lighthouse didn't exist as a band at all, which is funny. That is funny, man. But that's the way it goes, you know? And, yeah. And, no complaints from me, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, wow. What's the worst aspect, uh, aspect of being in a band that people, your fans don't realize? Oh, wow. Um, I I think they don't really realize. Yeah, that's something I haven't really thought about. But uh, I think they don't realize that when you love doing something, you don't mind driving four hours to get there and setting up and then playing a job and then driving back. It, it's, it's really hard. Now, that would be the other side, which I think my wife is like, well, you're going to play band. You're going to play music. You're having fun. I'm like, it's a lot of work. Okay. So there, there's that, that's kind of a dichotomy. There's, there's like some people think it's not worth it. And some people think you're just having fun. <laughs> well, you are so having fun when you're performing. There is no question about it. No Everybody's question. happy on. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the prior to, and then post, uh, you know, concert, that's kind of a work. But meanwhile, man, you guys put on a hell of a show for three hours. 
Well, see, that doesn't mean that it's not worked either, is, uh, <laughs> especially with, at the end of the night. Um, or, or if my hand was starting to, to really start cramping up, um, even before the surgery, if you're going and you're playing hard, you, you're, you're about to cramp up. Vehicle is one of those. It's, it's one of those that just makes you smash it out and, uh, and it wears you down for a good while. Um, and, uh, so it, it's, it's still work, you know, even if you're, if you're playing football, you know, with, the, with the street kids and, and, uh, you're, it's still work and it's still, you know, it, you might get hurt and you, <laughs> and, uh, and you're still going to be exhausted by the end of it, but, uh, but it's fun and, it, and your body needs it. Your mind needs it. You know, um, I think that's probably the biggest, I'm going to, I'm going to change my story there. I think the biggest <laughs> misunderstanding is how much work it is. Actually, you love it but it's still a lot of work. And, and so you gotta, it, you gotta uh, stretch your energy out and, and, uh, and what you think you're going to be able to, to accomplish. Sometimes that has a lot to do with your voice too, especially if you're singing, you got, you gotta, uh, or especially if you're lead singer, most everybody in our band sings to some degree, Ben, Ben sings backup only. Uh, and he also, he sings low too. So the things that, that really start taxing you, like I do uptown funk, um, that one really taxes me because I don't do it like I don't do it like Pharrell does. I I push it. I'm like, don't believe me, just so I'm like I'm pushing my <laughs> voice to to a, a very uh, high area there. Happy's the same way. Happy's real. Uh, I said Pharrell, Pharrell, didn't I? Um, Bruno, uh, I didn't do it like Bruno. Um, and but it's I don't, legit. I don't do the other one like Pharrell either. I I, uh, I try to do it my own way. To, well, both songs in both songs yeah. you do a legit. I mean, it's pretty legit. You do a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you got to do it your own way. See, again, it's sort of like that. You're like, okay, well, if you have Pharrell, well, you're probably going to get Pharrell. But if you don't have Pharrell, you're going to have to use this person's strengths to to get the best out of that song. And so, if you uh, if you give the wrong song to somebody else, um that it's just not going to come off. It's, it's not going to go over well. And that, and that's really a sad thing, especially if you know you got other players in the band or singers in the band that would do a good job of it. So I want to pass them off if I know that this person or that person is, is, is going to really do it well. Tom has a specific voice, our guitar player, and then Jeff has his specific voice. Larry has his, and there's some songs I would like to do because it would fit his song a lot better. And, um, uh, and then now we got Joe. He's got a lower voice, but he he does vehicle really well. He does uh, uh, Jenny Jenny eight six seven five. Uh, he does he does both of those really well. But that's his range, so he he can he can pull that off. Uh, if you gave him something a little too high, that's just not gonna not gonna fly, you know. So yeah, can't force somebody to do it. One of the things about your band is that no one seems to be jealous. Instead, you guys work together and put quite a good harmony there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that part too. It just it really does make it uh, uh, a pretty cool thing to to be a part of. Yeah, and all of you pretty much get a chance to sing lead, so it's not yeah. like there's a competition. But every one of the people that sing uh, does a good job. Yeah, Larry does try to do a good job too of like not burying people in lead vocals one after another. But then we'll, we'll get to a place where he's going to put Uptown Funk right next to something that I'm, I'm not even going to make it through this second song. It's just not going to happen. So we try to he tries to split it. And we've we've tried to just talk that stuff out. And he's always, you know, he tries to accommodate. Um, 
he just won't. You know, he does it all himself, so I can't complain. I'm not the one doing it. <laughs> but uh, it's like, oh, can we can we switch this one? You try to make give him some ideas and, and um, help us make it through the night, really. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why uh, your band has lasted so long, over four decades, is because uh, Larry has just a nice, even keel personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He doesn't get he doesn't get upset too much. If he gets upset, it's more stress. He doesn't get he doesn't right. really get angry. He gets <laughs> he gets stressed and, and mm-hmm. I'm like he was he's had a heart attack on stage before. So we get real concerned for him sometimes. And he yeah. came in the other day, our last actually Saturday, and I think he was stressing over some complications with his uh, equipment. And uh, but he looked really weird. He looked like he was about to have a heart attack, in my opinion. And I'm like, Larry, are you okay? And he won't tell anybody anything. Yeah. If he is, he's not going to say it unless he's yeah. about to be on the floor. Yeah. And I'm like, don't, don't be shy, man. Tell him if yeah. you're having a problem, let me know. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, I'm okay. And then he about choked on the sandwich that we were eating. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think he was just really stressed about, yeah. about his gear. And, and uh, so at least that's what we came to conclude. Yeah. Uh, he's the type, he he's the type that holds it in a lot. He doesn't yeah. want to stress, give stress to anybody else. Yeah. And if there is stress on the stage, because sometimes it happens, but uh, he's the one trying to turn and he and, you know, he's silly. He's just very silly anyway. He'll look and he'll do some really you know, <laughs> silly things to, to just kind of uh, perk people up. And, and uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen him on stage not trying to be on like that, just being silly and making sure that people are smiling at him. If uh, uh, if nothing else, he's he's that guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like Larry a lot. And I hope not. I hope he doesn't have any health issues. Yeah, me too. I mean, he's he's that was wow. That was before I joined the band, and that would have been probably ten years ago. So he's you know he's done well up to now. He's he's uh, all that's panned out, or uh, you know, uh, very well controlled. I think he's doing his meds and whatever he's got to do to keep that played. Yeah. Have you heard much about Johnny Hopkins? Um, he's uh, doing better I I have I haven't talked with him I think Jeff talks with him more than anybody and um and he's doing better it just you know he keeps slowly getting better and better but he he won't play Hornet again uh anymore okay um that's that's a good thing for for somebody that suffered a stroke yeah uh the person we're talking about is named Johnny Hopkins who was the uh, uh, last trumpet player and uh he had a stroke and so he's no longer with the band so, he played uh, with the, the Ambers for years and years and years before yeah. North Tower. Yeah, I saw him back in 1976 at Embers he, when he had his long string hair. It was uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band pants the band had back then. Oh, God. Yeah, the Michael and Tony stuff. That's funny. Yeah. I done, went through my season of that, too. <laughs> when they fit, I probably still have a couple of them somewhere. and There's no way they might fit my, around my arm. But hang on to you never know what comes back again you know what goes around comes back it may well, it have to be new ones i won't be able to fit in the old ones I'm gonna oh no that. no it's not for you to go back into but to sell on ebay for ten thousand dollars man yeah. yeah there you go hey oh. you give me an idea there's a thought there yeah you, there's a song in there somewhere huh a song in there somewhere gotta be out of all the bands you've played which band had the best uh, floor show in your opinion Oh, well, floor show. I only played with uh, Catalina's with a floor Catalina. show. Okay. Um, and and I think they had a really good floor show. Um, tell my, us what floor show Yeah, tell us what floor show is for people that are oh, familiar wow. with. I, I guess I would say that it's it's a little closer to something you would see in Vegas. 
uh, on a on a uh, an elementary school scale. <laughs> uh, and I say it that way because it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. you you had to have the lights and the lights were all very old school. But, uh, you know, we didn't have uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put into it. We just we just made a show as best you could. And the, that show would just be whether well, we did the 50s. It was a 50s medley and it come out. Four guys would be doing all these 50s songs and and um, and it would move into something else. And it, usually somebody like Barry Duke or Jeppy would go out into the audience and work the crowd. And uh, and of course, usually something very hilarious. Uh, Ronnie Gittins would would Ronnie Gittins was our trumpet player who would interrupt uh, Gary Barker singing his song and it would be a drunk act. And he never did the same act twice. And I was in the band for 10 years, the first round. And it was always an incredibly funny thing. He had like eight characters and uh, and he would just say some of the hilarious things. But he would st- basically we'd have to stop the band and that would become a dialogue between he and, and Gary was a straight guy. So just it was some it was just always about entertaining the crowd. And then we would come back and do another set that would be a dance set. We'd have two dance sets and then a then a floor show. So but it was always where uh, a lot of talented uh, creative people were putting together these these acts that would be a a separate part of our show and uh, and like I said before if you didn't have that you didn't hardly get work you could but it wasn't good money and it was it, it was you know the pool party kind of stuff the the people that wanted those acts and then I remember one day when it just basically stopped it's like they just stopped. Yeah, we don't want a floor show tonight. And then the next time, it was, no, we don't want a floor show tonight. Uh, or you're going to do one for it. And the next night is it just almost it's like one day it just stopped. I want to say around 95, but uh, I can't say for sure. We were doing Michael Jackson at that point. And that involved a magic act, which was a real it was a difficult it was it was a difficult setup. Stumbling on my words now. Sorry. Um, and uh, so somewhere in there, it just kind of all ended. You think we're we're missing out, not having a floor show? No, I, I think uh, like anything else, it had to change. We we don't have the same kind of music as we do in the '60s, because that was an element and an event that just it was its own. And then the '70s came in and they became their own thing. And I love the '70s music. I'm you know, but then there was the '80s, and the '80s was their own thing. It was kind of a little bit of punk, but it was new, new wave. And, and it became its own thing and it has its own genre. So there were, there are things that go through each of these decades that, that make them, make them special. Um, And so the floor show, I think it ran its course. I don't think people would enjoy it as much as we did back then, but it would be, it was a lot of, it was a lot of work. You know, we've talked about work, you know, Um, it looks fun, but it was a lot of work. And uh, so I don't think the old farts that play music now could do it like we did back in those days. That's the other big thing. It, it's, you know, I'm afraid it's comfortable to, to not do it now. Uh, but I think it should be done to some degree, like Too Much Sylvia is another band in our, <laughs> our uh, industry. And they do that. They, they come out as ZZ Top and they got the beards and the hat and they make a great show there awesome band um and they kind of their whole show is kind of a floor show but they don't stop people from dancing that's true um 
they have four members and they sound pretty full for four member band. Yeah, they do a lot of sequence stuff. I mean, some of the stuff they do, like I think they do like the Supremes or or a girl band like the yep. Supremes, yep. and they just push a button and they come out front. Well, that's a, that's a show, you know. That's what they do though, yeah. and they're great at it. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think uh, the Jersey Boys lineup, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they got a lot of different things that they do, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's incredible. And they write their own music too. <clears throat> of all the floor shorts that. Catalina's there. Which one was your favorite? It would have to be the drunk act because he was so creative. He would come out as this as a fireman and he would say, "Everybody got to get out," and and he was drunk. I mean, he was just you know acting like he was sloshed drunk, and and then he would he would have all these things. It was another one. He was a baker. It was always usually pretty dirty, and uh, but he had these little shtick things he would go with, and then he would go off on a tangent and you would never know where he's going and you don't know when he's coming back. And, and it was, we were back. I was back on the drums. You couldn't move. You had to stay right there. I was back on the drums and sometimes I was falling over on the floor. It was so funny. Um, but, uh, but it was because he was such a professional. He never did the same thing twice. Really. That's cool. That'd have to be that one. Yeah. That's cool. This is the end of part two. We thank you for listening and invite you to tune in the next time for part three. Meanwhile, join our growing family by subscribing to our podcast.